Hi, everyone. This is your 1001 Stories Network host, John Hagedorn. And I want to thank each and every one of you listeners for the support you've given 1001 Stories from the Old West. Kevin Sykes has returned. And because listenership was so good for Tales of the Texas Rangers, we'll be running episodes from that show every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Tales of the Texas Rangers features actual stories from the files of the Texas Rangers from about 1936 through the late 40s. This show did very well from 1950 to 52 on NBC Radio and was successful in transitioning to TV on CBS from 1955 to 1958. I especially enjoy the episodes where they go after him on horseback. That still happens today in rough country where they need to go after fugitives on horseback, keeping America's past alive. It's time for another episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. Hope you enjoy it. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. From Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles, and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. Now, from the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Helping Hand. It is 3.15 p.m. an afternoon in November 1950. A deluge of rain has swamped the deserted roads of West Texas and a lone motorist sits disconsolately in a small sedan near the side of the road. His face brightens suddenly as a curtained jeep pulls to a stop beside him. Painted on the jeep's motor hood are the words, Joe's Garage. Uh, Howdy! Howdy! Having trouble? Yeah, wires must have got soaked coming through that low spot in the wash back there. She (laughs) chugged and sputtered a ways and then conked out on me. Reckon we can fix that for you. Get that kerosene squirt can, Rusty. Okay, Joe. You want the canvas, too? Yeah, raise his hood, then tent the canvas over so none of this rain beats in there. Yeah. You just sit there and relax, mister. We'll have a perkin in a minute. I'm sure grateful to you. What are you going to do? Squirt a little kerosene on ignition wires. Better release your hood. Oh, yeah. Okay, Rusty, lift her up. Yeah. You handle it all right? Sure. <laughs> you fellas sure know what you're doing. What do you mean? I can't see how you can get them wires dry by squirting them wetter. That's a mechanic's trick. Squirting with kerosene, the kerosene gets under the water and the water runs off. Then a minute or two, the kerosene runs off, too. What's left evaporates. <laughs> I reckon you'd know. I know, all right. When it rains like this, I do more business along this road than I do back at the shop. Reckon we've got a dozen stalled cars going today. Where's well, all spray, Joe? Okay, close her up. Uh, okay to dry her now? No, no, wait a second. Ugh. The 
got a couple of drops of water running down my neck. Only a mile up the road to Wally's Cafe. We'll stop for coffee after this fellow gets moving. Mm, sure could use them myself. I've been sitting here for more than an hour. Only other car to come through barreled right past. Where you bound for? Long Ridge. Too bad his heap didn't hold out until I got there. <laughs> Coming back, they'll hand me a new car. Dealer called this morning to tell me it was in. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this thing ought to be ready to limp along now, Joe. Yeah, you can try starting now. Oh, fine. Well, here's hoping. Ah, that was real quick. I'll be hanged. That trick of yours really works. I ain't never missed. I uh, should buck a little at first, but watch the puddles. You'll be okay. Sure wish I I knew how to thank you, brother. Why, that ain't hard, mister. Charge is 15 bucks. Fifteen dollars. Standing out in this rain ain't fun, mister. You were stuck, weren't you? Yeah, I was stuck. Fifteen dollars seems like the kind of steep price for three minutes' work and a little kerosene. Look, I got a nice warm garage where the prices are regular. Working out here is a little bit different. Charge is fifteen bucks. I don't think I got fifteen bucks. What are you, a wise guy? Reckon if you can buy a new car, you ain't exactly flat broke. I didn't say I was. I got money. The smallest bill I got's a hundred. Look, don't store me. You could rot out here if we didn't happen along. The least you can do is pay up. I tell you, I got nothing but large bills. Money I got from a bank this morning to put down on a new car. Want your money? I'll meet you at the coffee place you was talking about and get changed. Where would Wally get changed for a hundred in that crummy joint? Change ain't our problem, Joe. Our problem is whether or not this guy's really got a hundred bucks to begin with. Now, let's see it. You ain't seeing nothing. Matter of fact, they ain't so sure you got a right to charge me no $15. Before I pay it, I'm going to stop at the sheriff's office in Long Ridge. <laughs> you think I'm standing in this rain for fun? Now get out of that car. Come on. Let go of me. Hey, let go of my throat. Never mind the conversation, Joe. You've got hands and he's got pockets. No, no. You crazy. Stop this kick, Rusty. Yeah, I'll stop it. Hey, Rusty. Hey, Rusty, look. Yeah. Five hundred bucks, Joe. Uh-huh. I could do a lot with dough like that. What do you say, Joe? Why, I hear reported. Not if you've got enough nerve. Well, i got as much nerve as you got. All right, then grab his feet. All right. Move him in there off the road. Right. Hey, he's coming, too. Not for long. All right, put him down. Yeah. Now, get your heavy wrench. No, you're crazy. You back out on me? No, but uh, I'm not chump enough to use my wrench on him. Look, be smart, Rusty. If we're going to do this, let's be smart and do it right. There's a big rock over there. Use that. The body of the slain man was found early the following morning when highway patrolmen examined the area around the seemingly abandoned car. The sheriff was summoned from Longridge, and he in turn requested the help of a Texas ranger... Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned. Still mighty wet from that rain yesterday, Jace. Yeah. Yeah, here's the body. Wanted you to see it before we moved it into town. You check his identification? Mm-hmm. License description fits. Name's Arthur McShane. Comes from Hooper Springs. What are you looking at, Jace? I'm just noticing these footprints around the body, Sheriff. I puddled up too much to help. Rain washed the edges away. Carried in here by two men. Or walked in with... One man? No, he was carried. If he'd have walked, there'd be some mud on his shoes. His feet never touched the ground after he left the pavement. How long do you think he's been dead? Well, looks like it's been quite a few hours. Any sign of a weapon around? There must have been one with his head like that. Big rock with a blood trace on the bottom of it was laying over there. 
Almost washed clean, so I didn't want to leave it. I had a deputy wrap it and take it in for your lab. Yeah, it won't help much. Might have held some blood, but the prints wouldn't take. Now, let's get back to the car. Right. Anybody touch the car? No, that's just like a highway patrol boy found it. Driver's door open, seat and steering wheel soaked with rain. Must have got out to fix something. Well, if he did, he must have got it fixed before he was killed, because the car works all right now. I checked it. I want to take a look underneath. You see something, Jase? Yeah. Oily spots on the pavement. Thin film on a couple of small puddles. Drip from the oil to crankcase, maybe? Oh, it's too thin for that. Too light. More like a gasoline drip. Well, gasoline drip would be further back under the carburetor. Yeah, lab man can check it. I want one to fly down and go over the car anyhow. Where's the nearest phone? Wally's Cafe, about a mile up the road. Wally's Cafe was a dilapidated roadside stop. I called Austin for a lab crew to fly down to Long Ridge, and the sheriff called the medical examiner who authorized a pickup for Arthur McShane's body. The sheriff hadn't had any breakfast. How about some ham in, Wally? Hey, settle for bacon? Why, well, sure. How about you, Jase? Uh, just some coffee. Right. The lab man will want to bring that car into a garage, Sheriff. Where do you have your car service? Uh, Joe's garage. That's what little work we have. Hey, uh, you fellas want your coffee now or you want it with your egg, Sheriff? Uh, we'll take it now. Yeah. I don't think they're going to find much on the car, though. Anything on the outside would have been washed away by the rain. Yeah, this is going to be a tough nut. Well, here's your java. Say, I uh, hear you say something about uh, Joe's garage for, Sheriff. Yeah, why? Are you going to see him in town? Well, I expect to. Uh, ask him to do me a favor, will you? Next time he stops by, I need a new fan belt from a pickup. I'll tell him. That's why I ain't got no ham. I couldn't make a trip into town for supplies today. Well, I have to buy you a bicycle, Wally. <laughs> Be better than that pickup. That's for sure. Well, why don't you make a flat deal with Joe? Pay him by the week and have him make one stop here every day. Be cheaper than Ann. I'm surprised he didn't stop by yesterday. Saw his jeep go barreling by late in the afternoon, headed for town. Oh, that darn rain. You know, I bet I didn't shove three blue plates across his counter all day yesterday. Didn't take in more than four dollars. <laughs> well, that's more than you're liable to take in today if you burn my eggs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> lab man checked in on the plane from Austin and went out after McShane's car. I waited in the sheriff's office in town until the sheriff came in with a report from the medical examiner. Here's your autopsy report, Jase. Cause of death, cerebral hemorrhage. Due to a severe beating about the head. Blood on the rock we found matched McShane. Anything on the time of death? About 3.30 yesterday afternoon. 3.30, huh? Right. Uh, McShane's wife just got in town. Went over to the funeral home. You want to see him? Yeah. Be another hour or so before the lab man gets to Joe's garage. Taking that long to check those oil spots and a few other things out of the road. Funeral home is just up the street. Let's go. <laughs> oh, he was... He was so happy and not just located him. Why, who could do a thing like this? Take it easy, man. <laughs> How come you didn't drive up here with him? I mean, you said he was coming up to get a new car. I should think he'd have wanted you along. Well, I didn't know about the car when he left. 
See, it was for our anniversary next week. A surprise. I didn't know it left till left yesterday. Well, how'd you find out then? From Abby Lawton. She's the banker's wife back home in Hooper Springs. When my husband took the money out of the bank yesterday, he told Bill Lawton why he was taking it. Well, Bill must have called Abby to tell her, and Abby called me. Abby's always doing things like that. Nobody ever gets surprised when she knows about anything. Uh, some people are like that, ma'am. You know how much money your husband was carrying? Well, she said he drew out $500 all in $100 bill. There's your motive, Sheriff. Sure is, Jace. Robbery. $100 bill shouldn't be too hard to trace, oh? It'll depend on where and how soon the killer tries to spend them. You better call the bank at Hooper Springs and see if you can get a list of serial numbers. Do it pronto. If they have any numbers, put them on a statewide bulletin. Right. Your your husband have anything besides money on him, ma'am? Any jewelry or anything else that might have been taken? Well, no. Well, he had a, a wristwatch, that's all. Well, it wasn't on him when he was found. You know what make it was? No, I just know he had one. That's all he wore it all the time. I, I never gave it no special notice. How well, could you describe it? Well, it, it was gold. Leather strap. Well, I don't know. Men's watches all look the same to me. What well, would you know it if you saw it again? Well, no, I don't think so. Oh, I don't know. You ought to have somebody with you. If you've got a son or a daughter someplace, we could contact them no. for you. No, we didn't have no children. It was just, just him and me. <laughs> now I'm all alone. <laughs> The sheriff got a list of currency numbers from the bank, and we arranged for a bulletin to all banks and major stores in the state. We were leaving the telegraph office when we sighted the lab man coming down the main drag in McShane's car. We hailed him, and he pulled over to the curb. Howdy, Chase. Howdy, Sam. Howdy, Sheriff. Hiya. We'll ride into the garage with you if it won't disturb anything. No, Hoppy. Been all over the upholstery and everything. Lots of prints on the dashboard all the same. Probably the dead man's. No sign of anybody else being in the car with him? Uh, none I could find. Of course, he might have had riders. Banker at Hooper Springs said McShane was alone when he left the bank. Saw him through the window when he got in his car. And he wasn't alone when he got killed, that's a cinch. How about those oily spots on the road, Sam? In the ones under the car? Hmm. They were kerosene spots, Chase. Kerosene was used to cut the grease on the ignition wires. Easy to tell, even with a field kit. Well, that means the ignition wires must have gotten wet car conked out on him, and he sprayed him. Yeah, that's what happened, all right. But he didn't do the spraying himself. Why? No sign of kerosene in the car or any place. No can, nothing. You checked the trunk? Empty. Look, Sheriff, where is that garage? Joe's? Three more blocks, then turn left. All right. I'll make one more check of the interior for blood trace, but I took a preliminary and it was blank. I'm afraid I'm not going to find anything. Say, you really don't have to come along unless you want to. I can drop you at the sheriff's office. No, we'll ride. I want to see that garage man anyhow. Oh, yeah, sure do I. But Wally won't get his fan belt. I want to see him about more than Wally's fan belt. What? Wally said the Jeep from Joe's garage passed his place yesterday afternoon on the way to town. Hey, that's right. He must have passed the spot McShane was killed at. No place between there and Wally's that he could have been coming from. No. And somebody stopped to help McShane get his car started. Let's find out who. In 
In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Now that fall is here and darkness comes upon us during the early afternoon hours, you as a driver must be ever alert for children in the streets and highways. Slow down at sundown. Follow the careful and courteous driving rules as set forth by the American Trucking Association. Remember that a rolling ball is always followed by a child. Keep alert. Drive as if a child's life depended upon your ability to see him before he, he sees you. And it does. Remember, the life you save may be a child's. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers. And tonight's case, Helping Hand. An authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. There were two men in the garage as we drove in. One of them was wearing a mechanic's coverall. The other was seated in a chair, tilted back against the wall, trying to toss greasy playing cards into a hat placed ten feet away from him. The mechanic gave the car a strange look. Howdy, Sheriff. Hey, something I can do for you? Yeah, Joe. Fellow from the Ranger Lab wants a little space to go over this car. Well, sure. Pull it right over to that corner. All right, thanks. You ever see that car before, Joe? I can't say, Ranger. I work on a lot of cars. Yesterday afternoon during the rain, this car was about a mile past Wally's place out on State 27. It was stalled with wet ignition wires. Somebody fixed them with a kerosene spray. Your Jeep was seen out that way. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess maybe it is a car I fixed. Uh, I guess you're going to be busy, Joe. I'll call you later. Oh, sure, sure, Rusty. Go ahead. Uh, just a second. What? How about this car, Joe? Well, uh, like I said, maybe I did work on it. Uh, got a few cars started on the highway yesterday. You keep saying maybe. How about making it yes or no? A mile east of Wally's. Well, yeah, yeah. I saw a car there. Yeah, just like that one. Uh, ignition wire soaked. You get him started? Yeah. Driver all right when you left him? Yeah, sure. They was all okay. Why? What do you mean by all? Wasn't the driver alone? No, no, no. He had a couple of guys with him, uh, hitchhikers. How do you know they were hitchhikers? Well, the driver said so. Guys were in an army uniform. They were sort of browned off about being stuck. Had to get back to base or something. Army guys, huh? Yeah, why? Was something happened to that driver? Yeah, something unpleasant. I better put out a pickup for a couple of soldiers, eh, Sheriff? Reckon you better, Jase. You, uh, still want me to wait, Ranger? Oh, I almost forgot about you. No, I just thought maybe you were with Joe yesterday when he fixed that car. No, no, I, I wasn't. I, I don't work here. Uh, no, no, he just stopped by. Oh, I see. Well, thanks. You're welcome. So long. Oh, uh, by the way. Yeah? What time you got? I, uh, just ten minutes after one. Thanks. You got a good-looking watch there. Keep pretty good time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right on the dot. Must have had it for a long time, huh? Uh, yeah. I can see that. You ought to have the strap changed, though. It's getting too small for you. Huh? Mark on the leather band shows where you used to hook it through the fourth hole. You're wearing it hooked through the second hole now. So long. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be seeing you. See you later, Joe. Yeah, Rusty. Later. I'd noticed the watch strap right away. That's why I'd kept talking to Joe after I stopped Rusty from leaving. The waiting made him nervous, and he tried to keep the watch hidden. Joe gave us a fumbling description of two soldiers, which I pretended to phone to Austin. 
While I was phoning, I managed to signal the sheriff to pick up the greasy cards Rusty'd been tossing into the hat. We left the garage and took the lab man with us. Thanks, Joe. See you later. Uh, sure thing. Uh, bar Ranger. So long, Joe. We'll see you again. Say, Chase, what'd you pull me out for? I wasn't finished. I know. I've got something else for you to check on. Oh, what? Some playing cards the sheriff has. Yeah. Yeah. I caught your signal, Chase. But what'd you want these for? Step around the side of the building here. Those cards are pretty greasy, Sam. Think you can pull prints off of them? Grease film on a glazed surface? Huh. Sedge. But why? I've seen one of those garage boys before. Joe? No, the other one, Rusty. Something in my mind tells me I saw him in the pen at Huntsville. I want to check on his prints. All right, I'll get right on it. Joe's prints probably be on those cards, too. Get a report on anything you find. But first, move that car out of there. Take it over to the sheriff's parking shed. If you can lift any prints in a NAR, you can get them on the afternoon plane to Austin. What was that business about asking Rusty the time, Jase? It wasn't his watch, that's all. The man who owned that watch always wore it two notches tighter. Comparing their sizes, I figured that Arthur McShane's wrist would be just about two notches thinner than Rusty's. The lab man lifted plenty of prints from the playing cards with two sets repeated most frequently. We sent the batch through to Austin for a check. The answer came back late that night. Mug shots and records on two men. Looks like you hit the jackpot, Jace. Yeah, Joe and Rusty. Both got records. Both served time in Huntsville. Same cell block. Can we pick them up? We can. Wouldn't be any use. We haven't even got enough on them to get them indicted. Uh, you know there were two men on the job. Could be any two men, Sam. I just well filed charges against you and the sheriff, if that's all I got to go on. Yeah. Besides, Joe claims he was alone when he fixed the car. It'd help a lot if we could prove that he wasn't. How about Wally out at the cafe? He saw the garage jeep. Maybe he saw who was in it. Mm, it's almost 11, but he stays open late for the truckers. Let's see if we can get him on the phone, Sheriff. Okay. Sheriff Walton speaking. Get me Wally's cafe out on Route 27. Yeah. Want to talk to him yourself, Jace? Yeah, if you don't mind. No, no, no. She's ringing the number now. Here. Hold on till he answers. He'll be there. Okay. Wally, this is Ranger Pearson. I was in your place this morning with the sheriff. Oh, yeah, Ranger. You said something about the Jeep from Joe's garage passing your place yesterday. Mm, uh, that's right, uh, yesterday afternoon. You see who was in it? Well, I guess Joe was in it. Did you actually see him? Was he alone or with somebody? Well, uh, to tell you the truth, Ranger, all I saw was the Jeep going by. You know how them things are, the curtains down the side and... Well, the rain was streaming down my windows, too. Uh, I saw the Jeep go by, but uh, I reckon I couldn't even swear I saw Joe in it. Well, thanks anyhow. Uh, sorry, I wish I could help you. You can. Just forget I called. No good, huh? No good, Sheriff. So far as he knows, the Jeep was driving itself. Maybe that story about the hitchhiking soldiers was on the level. Couldn't be on the level, Sheriff. Because they wouldn't walk away from a murder scene. Once McShane's car was running, they'd have driven it a few miles at least. Seems to me we could hold Joe on that. We could. Just long enough for some smart lawyer to get a rip. All he'd have to say is that the soldiers might have gotten another lift or cut cross-country to the railroad. Yeah. We could only find the money. Serial numbers for proof. Even the watch is no good. Mrs. McShane couldn't make a positive identification. And we'd no way of tracing where or when McShane bought it. Money's probably hidden away. 
They'll wait a mighty long time before they try to spend any of it. Uh, then we'll wait with them. I hate knowing a man's a murderer and not being able to prove it. Come on, Sam. Let's get over to the hotel and turn in for the night. All right. I'll walk out with you. Hey, Sam. Yeah? You know you got a grease stain on your pants? Oh, what? Right by your pocket there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, got some grease on them this morning, left in the hood of McShane's car. Shackle bolt was off a little, had to feel around to release it. Hey, what's the matter, Jase? Joe had to lift that hood, too, to spray those wires. Him or Rusty. Grease film under there ought to hold fingerprints perfectly. Joe admitted he touched the car. That don't help us. No, but it'll help us if Rusty touched it, too. Because Rusty claims he wasn't there. Sam, did you look under the hood for prints? No, Jase, I never thought of it. That's the last place a man would think of. But we've thought of it now. Come on, let's check it. Yeah. Good thing you moved it out of Joe's place. If we find what we're looking for, Joe's out of business. Get anything, Sam? Yeah. yeah photos of the prints I left at the beginning of the show. Some of them smeared, a few of them clear. All right, we can take them out of the bath now. Here's the Austin make on Rusty. See if you can match them under there. Just one print, one finger, Sam, and we're home. Want the light on now? Yeah, please. No, not this one. Too much radio loop. No, not this one. Hey, wait a minute. What? Find something? Uh, uh, give me that magnifying glass, will you please? Here. Now what do you see, Sam? Uh, right here, Jace. Look, the scar line. Small cut, see? A holy Austin print right up next to it. Rusty's right forefinger. That's it, Sam. Watch that car and don't let anybody near it. Let's go, Sheriff. We got a couple of arrests to make. Neither Joe nor Rusty were at home, and Joe's car was missing from his house garage. We combed the town, but there was no sign of them. We started to hit the roadhouses along the outlying districts. Don't suppose they ran, do Jase? No, a couple of suitcases in the rafters of Joe's house garage. If he'd left, he'd have packed. He thought you swallowed that story about the hitchhiking soldiers. That'd make him feel safe. Where else would they be liable to stop? Well, I don't know. Just one more place out this way, then there's nothing for four miles until... Hey, Wally's place. I forgot to give Joe that message about Wally wanting the fan bill. Hmm. Wally didn't mention it when I called him from your office. Might have called Joe on the phone direct to remind him. Joe hangs out at Wally's place sometimes. Nights, I mean. Drums up repair work with independent truckers that stop there. Let's try it. We hit the jackpot. Joe's car was at Wally's place. Inside, one of the waitresses told us the three men were in the back shed putting a new fan belt on Wally's pickup. We slipped along behind a line of wash and waited for him to finish and come out. While we waited, Wally said something we couldn't hear as he bent down to the motor. Suddenly, Rusty jumped him. When? When did the ranger call you? Well, a little before midnight. Why? Well, why'd you wait until now to tell us? Well, I just happened to mention it. Ranger didn't want me to tell you at all. What do you want to know? Just uh, if I'd seen a jeep pass during the rain yesterday afternoon and then who was in it. Well, what'd you tell him? Well, what could I tell him? I just about saw the jeep. I was born, so... Hey, you guys in some kind of trouble? No, 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 of course not. We better get back to town, Rusty. Hey, wait a minute. Get ready for this fan belt. That's right, fellas. 
Fix the man's Fandel. The ranger. Include me in the party, too, Rusty. Why, uh... Go ahead, Joe. Finish your work. Rusty can help you. It won't do any harm if he leaves a fingerprint under the motor hood, either. Not under Wally's motor hood, because Wally's still alive. Out of my way, Joe. Hold it. The gun, Joe. Uh, uh, don't, don't me. I, I haven't got a gun. Oh, holy mackerel. What's going on here? What did you do? I ain't mixed up in Just it. Just keep your hands up, Joe. Take a look at Rusty, Sheriff. Don't take much looking. Right through the head. Uh, he did it. It was Rusty. He forced me into it. Sure, Joe. The dead man's always to blame. You can tell us all about it down at the jail. You, you're going to leave Rusty here? Fix your fan belt and bring him into town if you like. Come on, Joe. Get moving. I want to hear more about those hitchhiking soldiers. Then I'll tell you about my dream. A liar who goes to Huntsville. With Rusty Holman dead, Joe Faladera made a full confession of his part in the murder of Arthur McShane. On May 3rd, 1951, he was sentenced to Huntsville Penitentiary for 50 years. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Cattle Drive. The cast included Tony Barrett, Herb Vigran, Lou Krugman, Bill Conrad, Ken Christie, and Lillian Bayer. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Next, it's the big show with Joan Davis, Herb Jeffries, George Sanders, Evelyn Knight, Groucho Marx, and your charming hostess, Tallulah Bankhead. Then enjoy 30 minutes of mirth and music with Phil Harris and Alice Faye. Later, Theater Guild on the Air presents A Foreign Affair, co-starring Marlena Dietrich and Richard Widmark. And for pictures of your favorite NBC stars, buy the current NBC Silver Jubilee issue of Radio TV Mirror Magazine. Next, it's the big show. All this and Tallulah, too, on NBC. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. From Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles, and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. From the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. 
The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, open and shut. It is 1.37 a.m. September 9, 1945. John Meston, a wealthy rancher, is awakened by the sound of a speeding car screeching to a stop on the driveway outside his house. Seconds later, he jumps out of bed and reaches for a robe as the downstairs door opens. His daughter, Connie, comes up the stairs screaming hysterically. Connie! Connie, baby! What is it? What's the matter? Oh, Daddy, Bob! He's Teddy. Bob, dead? What happened to him? Connie, get hold of yourself. What happened? I'm frightened, Daddy. I'm frightened. There was a man with a, a bandana over his face. Where, Connie? Where? The old cattle road keys to the ranch. We were parked there. And... Oh, it was terrible. Oh, Connie. Here, here, sit down. Sit down while I call the sheriff. And you'd better have a doctor. Get something for your nerves. <laughs> Tried to hold himself. Right. Father had his gun in the car. They fought over it. Operator. Uh, operator, get me Sheriff Sykes. I want to report a murder. Connie Meston was in no condition to be questioned, and Sheriff Sykes had only an incoherent story to follow. He called the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned to the case. He arrived at the Meston Ranch shortly before dawn. Might as well wait here in the library, Ranger. The doctor's still in with the girl. He's had a mighty bad shock. Does he tell you where it happened, Sheriff? Yeah, the old cattle road east of the ranch. I got some men riding out there now. They'll call us as soon as they find the body. That girl isn't going to be able to talk real soon. We better get out with your men. Oh, here's the girl's father. Hey. Sorry to keep you waiting, Sheriff. How are you, Mr. Meston? Glad you got here, Ranger. Can we talk to your daughter now, Mr. Meston? Uh, I'm afraid not. Doctor's put her to sleep. Says she must have absolute rest for a few hours. Uh, There's no point in our waiting then, Sheriff. We can come back later. I'm sorry, but that'd be best. I'll walk out with you. What's the best way to get to that cattle road? Drive into town, then around the highway. Be shorter to cut across the ranch on horses. You got yours in your trailer. Maybe Mr. Meston will lend me one. Take your pick of the stable, Sheriff. Couldn't we drive across the range? No, you've got a ravine to cross and a stream to ford. What time did your daughter get home, Mr. Meston? Just a minute before I called the Sheriff. Little after 1.30. I'd only been in bed about an hour. Locked up about 12.30 and turned in. Hmm. Is this the car she came home in? Yeah. Bob Brady's car. I heard her drive up, then I heard her crying. Came in and tore up the stairs to my bedroom. I'm afraid it's going to take a long time to get over this. Don't let anybody touch this car until I can get a fingerprint man to go over it. Killer may have left his mark someplace. I'll see it ain't touched. Well, I'll go get me a horse and stable, Ranger. How well did your daughter know Brady? Well, they went around together for a spell, but... This date last night was the first they'd had in a long time. Uh, Brady worked for me. Doing what? Uh, accountant. Handled all the ranch business. Got an office in one uh, wing of the house. I see. 
I'll radio for a fingerprint man to come down from our lab while the sheriff's getting his horse. Want me to ride with you for any reason? No. Better do whatever you can to bring your daughter around so we can talk to her. We'll be back later. I made my radio call, and then Sheriff Sykes and I cut across the ranch to the old road. The riders had just found Bob Brady's body. Nothing had been touched. The riders waited while the sheriff and I went over the ground. Standing right beside the car when he was killed. The car tracks are heaviest here where it was parked. Yeah. Brady and the girl have been walking around, though. The prints go over that way and then turn around and come back here to the body. There's a third set of prints mixed in with theirs. Yeah, must be the killers. Yeah. Came up the road here and stopped beside the car and, and walked on again. Heavy powder burns on Brady's coat. He was shot from close up. I only saw the girl for a minute. Couldn't make much out of what she was saying, but I think Brady was killed with his own gun. How come? Carried an automatic in the glove compartment of his car. He toted quite a bit of the rancher's cash on him sometime. It's funny the killer didn't use his own gun, unless he didn't have one. Well, the girl said Brady tried to get his gun from the car. The fellow took the gun away from Brady and killed him. So I guess he couldn't have had a gun of his own. Mm, doesn't make sense. He was taking a mighty big chance, staging a holdup if he wasn't armed. Although I guess it was robbery, all right. Brady doesn't seem to have a cent on him. No wallet, no wristwatch, nothing. Yeah, no doubt about the motive. Well, I guess I better have the body moved into town. Deputy can notify Brady's mother. Yeah. I'm better in ordering a topsy report. Isn't going to tell us anything we don't know, though. Uh, keep a couple of your riders here. Sure thing, but what do you want them to do? Beat the brush and look for Brady's gun. And while they're looking, we can follow this extra set of tracks and see where they lead. I expected to follow the marks of a man who didn't want to be followed. The usual erratic trail a killer leaves when he's trying to throw off pursuit. But this trail led straight as an arrow. Hey, whoever he is, he sure didn't cover his tracks very well. No, unless he's headed for some spot where he knows his trail will be lost. Hey, wait a minute. Oh, oh boy. Oh, 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 oh. What is it? Trouble may start here. Yeah, turned off the road into the fields. The ground's worn that way, though. It's a path that's been used before. Come on. Grass has been trampled from regular use. Anybody live out here you know of? Nope. Uh, yeah. Yeah, an old shack about a mile and a half across. Used to be a line house. Owner rented to a Mexican. We better have a talk with him. We can move a little faster, but keep your eye out for those tracks as we go. Get up. Get up. We reached the shack and the earth around it were the boot prints of a man. They matched the ones we'd been following. He's in there, all right, Ranger. Yeah. He may still have that gun with him. He was up late. Could still be asleep. Come on. We'll see. There he is. Still in bed. Shh. Quiet. Take a look at these boots. Mm-hmm. Right beside his bunk, bent nail in the heel of one of them. Yep. 
Hey, Demarsh, we've been following, all right. He's our boy. All right, you. Wake up. Who's that? Come on, get up. Chris, what have I done? Why'd you come here? What's your name? Uh, Jose Morales, senor. Where were you last night? Uh, what? I, I, I walk into town. Anybody see you there? Uh, si, si, senor. The, the man in the package store. I stopped there to buy a bottle of wine. Uh, there's the bottle on the table. What time did you leave town, Morales? Uh, it was uh, almost midnight, I think. And you walked home, too? Si, senor, si. Why do you ask me all these questions? I, I don't know. It... How long does it take you to walk back here? Mm, hour, maybe more. I don't have a watch, senor. Are you sure you don't have a watch now? Si, si, I, I never own one, senor. How about a gun? I, I don't have a gun. How did you come when you came home? Well, I... Uh, no, I, I, I don't remember, senor. I, I, I just walked... Well, you but... better remember. You came up the cattle road. We followed your boot tracks. Were you alone all the time? Si, si, alone. You didn't see a car parked on the cattle road? Oh, oh si, si, senor, si. Mm. Uh, there is man and girl there. They, uh, they will remember that they see me there. What's that? Hold it, Sheriff. Go ahead, Morales. When did they see you? Uh, uh, on the way home, I, I passed by the car. I, I think maybe the car is broke down. So I took a look inside, but there's nobody there. Uh-huh. And then I walk a little further. I meet a man and girl. I asked them, is something wrong with the car? Go ahead. Well, they told me no, so I just come away. Uh, senor, if you can find him, they will remember. They can tell you I was there. This man's walking himself right into the electric chair, Jace. Yeah, too easy. You better get dressed, Morales. You're coming with us. But why, senor? What have I done? You'll find out later. Just get dressed. Let's come this shack, Sheriff. See if we can find that gun. <laughs> didn't find the gun or anything else that might have been taken from Brady. And the sheriff's riders drew a blank, too. But we had enough to hold Morales at the jail. We locked him up and went back to the Meston Ranch. Um, before you speak to my daughter, gentlemen, I want to ask you to kind of take it easy. Uh, in here. Connie, it's Sheriff Sykes and the ranger. Howdy. Miss Connie. Hello. Miss Meston. Would you mind telling us just what happened last night? Well, Bob called me, Bob Brady. He wanted to see me. We hadn't seen each other for some time. I thought he worked here at the ranch. Well, he did. I meant we hadn't been out together for a long time. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, he, he picked me up here, and we drove. Then we parked up the whole cattle road. Lots of young folks parked there on an off-ranger. It's sort of a lover's lane. We, we'd been there quite a while talking. See, Bob was going to be married next month to a girl named Mildred Peterson. She's a school teacher, Ranger. I see. Go ahead, Miss Meston. Well, he asked me if I wouldn't change my mind and make up with him before he got married and it was too late. Mm-hmm. I, I, I told him we weren't right for each other. He, he'd be happier with somebody else, and then, well, all of a sudden, a man came up to the car. It, it was dark, and he had a bandana over his face. Go on. We, he held us up. He made us get out of the car. You have a gun? I, I'm not sure. I was frightened. He, he had something in his hand. He, he, he took Bob's wallet and his watch, and then, then he told us to stay right where we were. Didn't he take anything from you? Well, yes. Yes, he, he 
took my purse. And then what happened? Well, all of a sudden, Bob made a dash for the car. He, he, he got his gun from the glove compartment, but the man was right after him. They, they fought. The, the man got the gun away from Bob, and then... And he shot Bob and ran away. Hey, gentlemen, if you don't mind... Just I another think second, that... Mr. Meston. Miss Meston, what were you wearing? Well, just a plain blue taffeta dress. It's right there on the chair. After that, you took Brady's car and drove back here, and your father called the sheriff, is that right? Yes, sir. Driving back from there, you had to come through town. Why didn't you stop and get to a phone? I was frightened. I couldn't think. I, I wanted to get home. You should be able to understand that, Ranger. After all, the sure. girl kept... Sure, Mr. Meston. Just checking. You said you were in bed and heard your daughter drive up, is that right? Yes, I, I told you before. I locked up and turned in about 12.30. Connie come home about an hour later. Came in and right up to your bedroom, is that right? Yes. Why? Just getting the picture. All right, Sheriff. We can go now. Right. Oh, we can find our own way out, Mr. Meston. Miss Connie can come into town and dictate her statement in a day or so. Thank Bye, you, folks. Sheriff. Bye. Well, Ranger, this looks like a quick one to me. Case against the Mexican Morales is open and shut. I don't know, Sheriff. Somebody's lying. Meston said he locked up and went to bed. His daughter came in and went tearing up to his bedroom. Well, what's wrong with that? How'd she get into the house if Morales took her purse? Her keys would be in her. Well, she might have had her key in the pocket of her dress. Might have. Except for one thing. That dress has no pockets. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. This month, the National Broadcasting Company celebrates 25 years of bringing you the best radio programs. Seven days a week, you can depend upon NBC for music, drama, comedy, entertainment of every kind, as well as the latest up-to-the-minute news from every corner of the world. When you tune where you hear the familiar NBC chimes, you know you're tuned for the finest in radio listening. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and tonight's case, Open and Shut, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. I checked on Morales' story as best I could. He had been in town, and he had bought a bottle of wine to take home with him the night of the murder. But when I got back to the jail, the sheriff had evidence piling up against the Mexican. Your fingerprint crew dropped off copies of prints they found on Brady's car. Uh-huh. These prints were found only on the door of the car. Now, compare them with these. Hmm. Yeah, same man, all right. Matching set of the prints I rolled off Morales when we brought him in. He must have done it. Maybe. But I'm not convinced. I'll see you later. Here, where are you going, Ranger? To see Brady's mother and the girl he was going to marry. <laughs> the only boy I had left. His two brothers were killed in the war. And... Please, Mother Brady, we've got to help the Ranger. Oh, I'm sorry, Ranger. It's all right, ma'am. How long had it been since your son had been out with Connie Meston before last night? Six months. I thought it was all over. I thought she'd leave him alone when she knew him and Mildred was going to be married. Did he brood about her much during the time he wasn't seeing her? No. 
He knew it was Beth. She was spoiled. She never really wanted him. Except when she found out she couldn't have him. Uh, Miss Peterson, you and Brady ever quarrel about Connie Meston? Oh, no. He was over it. He knew what she was. She's a cruel, heartless little cheat. She made his life miserable. Have you got any idea why he called her and asked her to see him that night? Well, Ranger, he didn't call her. She called him. You're sure of that? I heard him answer the phone. He didn't want to go, but she must have been insisting, because after a while he said, all right, he'd meet her just once. For the last time. <laughs> Thanks. Ranger, is it true what we heard? You've got the killer in jail? I wouldn't count on that. Yet. I went back to the jail and questioned Morales again. He was frightened, but his story never moved an inch from what he told us the first time. Then I saw the sheriff. I spoke to District Attorney Jace. He thinks we got enough to take the grand jury for an indictment. Give me one of the mug shots you took of Morales when you brought him in. Sure. Here's a picture. Thanks. I want Connie Meston to look at it and see if she can identify Morales. Well, she said the man who stuck him up had a bandana over his face. She said a lot of things, Sheriff. Brady struggled with the man who killed him. Morales carried a bottle of wine from town to his shack. We checked that. If he had a struggle with anyone, how come he didn't drop the bottle and break it? Mm, it seems like it would have broke, don't it? You got a bandana here? Yeah, the one we took from Morales. Why? No, not that one. I want one with a different color and pattern. Maybe you wanted my deputy's locker. Get it. I want to see how many lies Connie Meston can tell. I won't be satisfied with the case against Morales until we find Brady's gun and the things that were supposed to be stolen. I went back to the Meston ranch the next morning. Connie Meston was taking Brady's death hard. As hard as a rock. She wasn't at the ranch house. She was near the corral, training a jumper to take a fence. All right, come on, boy, now. Let's go. Come on. Oh. Now, back again. Come on. Come on. Come on, I said. Well, I'll teach you to balk. But I want you to jump, you'll jump. Come on. Take easy with what? that horse. Oh. Well, Ranger, I didn't see you coming. Glad to see you've recovered from your shock. Well, I had to find something to occupy my mind. <sighs> Thought I'd work my horses. I got them entered in the show at El Paso next Sunday. Yeah, it'd be nice if the horse lives that long, the way you use that whip. It happens to be my horse. Now, what do you want, anyway? A little information. We may have the man who killed Brady. Oh, yeah, I heard. The Mexican Morales? News gets around. Here's a picture of him. Is he the man? Well, he could be. He looks like the one. What do you recognize? That scar on his chin? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, no. He, his face was covered. Yeah. I, I almost forgot about that. Is this the bandana you saw? Well, it it was dark, but it was just like that one. Uh-huh. Well, thanks. Uh, is that all you want to know, Ranger? Yeah, that's all. For now... I saw Connie Meston's father as I was leaving the ranch. He seemed pale and shaky seeing me there. I was certain that Connie Meston was lying all the way. But the sheriff dropped a bombshell in my lap when I got back to the jail. 
He was running for his car when I drove up. Hey, Sheriff! Sheriff, where are you going? Oh, I, I'm glad you got here. I was just heading for Morales' place. You want to come along, I reckon. Why? What's out there? I think we're going to find the gun and the stuff he stole. Look, here. Just got this in the mail. It was posted last night in the Mexican section. The note was printed in Spanish on yellow paper. It said, look in cattle tank near Morales' house. That was all. Reckon Morales trusted a friend who decided to double-cross him? We better get out there. Well, there's no doubt about this case now, Ranger. We find that gun and Morales is headed for the electric chair for sure. Hey, here. Here's something else. What'd you find? The watch. Radiant wrist watch. Good. Well, this is all of it. Come on, let's get out of this water. Sure. Nice haul. The gun, the girl's purse, Brady's wallet, and wristwatch, right on Morales' doorstep. That's the end of this case. No, it isn't. Oh, now, Jay. Look at these things, Sheriff. Look at the muzzle of this gun. It's clogged solid with dirt, packed tight. Well, always some mud in the bottom of a cattle tank. But this isn't mud. It's packed earth. And it's packed so tight it didn't dissolve in the water. Yeah. Say, that is funny. Sheriff, this gun was buried someplace after it was fired. Buried and then dug up again and thrown into this cattle tank. Say, you're right. Traces of dirt packed into the holes of the wash band, too. And in the wallet. Sure. But look at this purse. The purse wasn't buried. Or the same dirt would be jammed in the metal frame. <laughs> Connie Meston's keys. She had them when she ran home after Brady was shot. She brought the purse with her to plant with the stuff she dug up after she knew Morales was under suspicion. You mean she killed Brady, buried the evidence before she went home to make it look like Robert? Yeah. Because the real motive was jealousy. You hold Morales another 24 hours. That'll be long enough to get what we need. Then Connie Meston can take his place. But you've got no proof on her. I'll send that anonymous note through to the handwriting division at our lab. They can get a sample of Connie Meston's writing from horse show registration blanks at El Paso for comparison. Yes, but will that help, Ranger? After all, the note is printed, and it's in Spanish. There'll still be similarity in letter formation. Besides, registration blanks usually ask for printed information on breeding and identification. If Connie Meston wrote that note, Lab will know it. It checked. Connie Meston's printing on registration blanks for the horse show matched the printing on the anonymous note. It was almost enough, but I wanted one more thing. A trace of dirt on something she owned. A trace that would match the earth that had been packed in the muzzle of Brady's gun when it was buried. I drove out to the Meston ranch and found Connie in the stables. Mind if I come in? Oh, you here again? What do you want this time? I thought you might like to know we found Brady's gun. Anonymous note told us where it was. Cattle tank out of Morales' place. Hmm. You got a good case then. No. Morales didn't put the gun in the tank. How do you know? Because the gun and the other things had been buried. They were dug up again and thrown in the tank. Well, maybe he decided to, to change the hiding place. While we were holding him in jail? No, it's not likely. Morales didn't kill Brady. Well, you know who did? Not for sure, but we'll find out. Whoever dug those things up must have carried them in something while they were taking them to the cattle tank. Some dirt was jammed in the muzzle of the gun. 
We find out what it was carried in, clothing maybe, somebody's pocket. We can match the dirt in our lab. I see. That's very interesting. I thought you'd think so. Well, I guess I better be getting back to town. I drove away from the ranch and parked behind some trees that gave me a view of the stable. A minute after I left her, Connie Meston came out, riding like the wind. I unloaded charcoal from the trailer and followed her, always keeping cover between us. She didn't seem to be carrying anything to dispose of, but all of a sudden she came to a stop by a stream. She took the saddlebags and started to shake them out over the water. Oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. All right, charcoal, let's go. Get up, boy. Yeah. Stay right where you are, Miss Meston. I'll take those saddlebags. Well, sure. Any log and empty them into a stream? None that I know of. Well, take them then, Ranger, because they're empty. Not as empty as you wish they were. And a few grains of dirt stuck in the seam. That's all we're going to need. Well, you can't make anything out of that. Oh, I got a few other things. That anonymous note in Spanish matched the registration blanks you sent into El Paso. I don't think you'll be showing your horses Sunday. Why, you... Give me that whip. You... Won't be using this again either. Now get on your horse and ride for the house. <laughs> I'm taking her in, Mr. Meston. I got an idea you started to suspect she was lying the same time I did. She's, she's not lying, Ranger. She she didn't know nothing about it. I did it. I shot Brady. I'm sorry, but that won't work either. I got her pinned down oh, all the way. Daddy, Daddy, help me talk to him. Well, give him some money. Well, what kind of a father are you if you can't help me? Shut up! Why, you... You hit me. Yes. I should have started 20 years ago before I let you get to be what you are. Maybe I'm not legally guilty, Ranger, but I'm guilty of raising the way I did. Too bad you didn't think of it sooner. All right, Connie. Let's get into town. Connie Meston's trial was spotted with hysterics that failed to convince the court, although she maintained she was innocent in the face of overwhelming evidence against her. Then, as the trial neared a close, she changed her plea to guilty, and in an effort to avoid a death sentence, she confessed she was sentenced to the women's prison at Huntsville for 50 years. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Cattle Drive. The cast included Tony Barrett, Joan Banks, Francis X. Bushman, Farley Bear, and Vivi Janice. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Mercott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keith. Hal Gibney speaking. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Next, it's the Big Show with stars including Sophie Tucker, June Valley, Jerry Lester, Ann Sheridan, Morton Downey, and your charming hostess Tallulah Bankhead. Then enjoy mirth and music with Phil Harris and Alice Fay. Later, Theater Guild on the Air presents Age of Innocence, co-starring Claudette Colbert and MacDonald Carey. 
And for pictures of your favorite NBC stars, buy the current NBC Silver Jubilee issue of Radio TV Mirror Magazine. Next, it's the big show. All this and Tallulah, too, on NBC. Thanks for joining us for Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Stories from the Old West. Reviews are always appreciated. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon.